let's start with a brief description of the nature of the creation of mankind. As a human being made from God, you're triune in nature, three in one. You are a spirit being. Everybody say, I am a spirit being. The spirit part of you is the part of you that came out of God. God said, let us make man in our own image. Spirit being. You are a spirit being. As a spirit being, you possess a soul. When you came into time, when you were born and came out of your mother's womb, your soul started collecting memories and started collecting data and information. Your soul is the thinking part of you, the cognitive part of you, the part of you that has emotions, the part of you that has paradigms and lenses through which you look through and see the world. That's your soul. So you're a spirit being, you have a soul, and then you're packaged in a body. Say, I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Now, in order for your soul and body to be productive in the earth, God gave you the gift of sensual perception. Hearing, seeing, tasting, feeling, touch, smell. All of these things are gifts from God to you so that you can be effective in the earth. But God has left himself outside of our sensual perception. And he has made it so that in order to connect and interact with him, we must engage our spirit through faith. So sensual perception connects me to my world. But faith in my spirit connects me to my God. Now God is never recognized through sensual perception. He is always revealed by the spirit through faith. And revelation is how we experience God. And it's very important that you experience God through revelation. Because if you only try to experience God through sensual perception, what your mind thinks and all of the input that you're getting from your senses, people like that, it's easy for them to become religious and not spiritual. Say, I need a revelation. So God is never recognized. He's revealed. Consider Jesus who was the expressed image of God in the flesh. And yet people always had a hard time recognizing who he was. He was God, but they couldn't recognize it. And you would think with all the miracles, you know, he walked on water. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He fed 20,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. One time he said, if you don't believe me, you should at least believe the works that I do. And yet with all of the power and all of the miracles and all of the works, they still couldn't recognize him because they were working with sensual perception instead of spirituality. Jesus asked the disciples one day, he said, who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said, who do you say that I am? And the, the people closest to him, 11 of them were silent. They had no idea who he was because you cannot recognize God with sensual perception. Peter, one of the 12, says, I say you are the Christ, the son of the living God. What did Jesus say? Blessed are you, Peter, because flesh and blood has not 
revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. In other words, the Father in heaven had to give Peter a revelation concerning Jesus because his sensual perception would have never been able to recognize him. And the same thing happens with us. Oftentimes people look at you in your ordinariness and cannot recognize the depth of anointing and power and gifting that is deep within you because your anointing is never recognized. It is always revealed. For example, if you're going to pick a mate as a child of God, you cannot pick just based off outward packaging. You have to allow your spirit to discern the spirit that's inside the packaging. Because unfortunately, a lot of folks got wonderful packaging, but there ain't nothing on the inside. And over the years, the packaging will change a little bit. Talk to some older people. The packaging starts having strange things go on with it. But it's what's on the inside that the true value can be extracted. As children of God, we do not base our lives by situation. We base our lives by revelation. This means that we can rejoice in the middle of an awful situation because regardless of what we see in our senses in the situation, we have a revelation from God. And the revelation from God says no matter how bad it is now, you are coming out of this. I don't see it. I don't sense it. I don't feel it. I don't hear it. But I know in my spirit I am coming out of this. Now, God has chosen to reveal himself in our negative situations so that we will have something to contrast his power with. So God, in fact, needs your negative situation because it gives him an opportunity to reveal himself. He cannot reveal that he is a healer unless he has somebody in a negative situation of sickness. And the negative sickness gives him an opportunity to reveal who he is in that situation. And this is how we grow in our faith and truly learn who God is. We learn who he is by how he reveals himself in our various situations. Example, there are some people in here who believe that God is a healer. But there's other people that know he is a healer. And the only reason you know it is you had a situation of sickness. And in that situation of sickness, God came in and gave you a revelation of his healing power. And now nobody will ever be able to talk you out of what you know by revelation. There's people in here who think God is a provider. But there's a whole lot of people in here who know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Because you've had enough situations of lack and brokenness and yet got a revelation that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches. It's about revelation, not situation. Oh, I came to tell somebody, 2019, God is about to make you laugh. There are many people in the room this morning who have been through hard situations this year. And everything in your sensual perception told you to quit and to break. 
But the reason you did not break is because while your senses are connected to this world, your spirit is connected to your God. And in your spirit, you've had this nagging, gnawing sense that if I could survive this year, there is something on the other side of this pain. There is something on the other side of this grief. There is something on the other side of this abuse. There is something on the other side of this lack and poverty. There is something on the other side of this. I want to tell you, God is about to make you laugh. Push somebody say, he's going to make you laugh. It's our connection to God in the spirit that reminds us that though we are connected to the world, we don't follow the dictates of this world. That we are in this world, but we are not of this world. And to everyone who's been in distress this year over what you've been seeing in your natural circumstances and what you've been sensing through sensual perception, God gave me a word not for your body and not for your soul, but for your spirit. And the word is this, God is going to make you laugh if you believe it clap your hands and give God the glory now it's important that you understand the duality of input I'm getting input from my senses every day but I'm getting input and revelation from my spirit every day and when you elevate what you're getting from God above what you're getting from your situation through sensual perception, it frustrates the devil. He hates it because he's trying to get you to complain over what you see in your circumstances. But instead you rejoice because of what you have in the form of revelation. And some of you are about to frustrate the devil all of 2019. Because when God says it's time for you to laugh, he'll let you laugh in the devil's face. My God, I got to preach to myself right there. I said when God said it's time for you to laugh, he'll let you laugh all in the devil. Two questions emerge from the content. Number one, how does revelation start? And number two, how do I know if it's from God? Revelation starts when God gives you a promise, a covenant, or a contract. His word is his contract. His word is his promise. His word is his covenant. Now, I must bring this up. It's strange that God would make a contract agreement and a covenant with us because God is immortal and we are mortal. God is everlasting and eternal. We are finite in nature. And at first, it doesn't make sense that you would make a contract or an agreement when you're going to live forever and I'm only going to live a short space of time. But to those objections, God says, the covenant and the promise isn't just for you. It's for you and your seed, you and your posterity, you and your children. In other words, when I get finished blessing you in your lifetime, 
I'll take the blessing that I put on you and transfer it to your children. Oh, so I'll make sure your children are blessed. I want to tell somebody, I don't care how it looks now. By the end of this thing, your children are going to walk with God. They're going to have faith in God. And they're going to walk in the blessing of God that is over your life. Now, this is important. Because God's blessing doesn't just enrich you. God's blessing also cancels any generational curse that was on you before the blessing came. And this means when the blessing hits your life, it means that your children will never have to deal with the mess that your daddy put on you. When God told Abraham and Sarah, I'm going to bless you and your seed, that blessing kept working throughout the generations of time. And we see it manifest in the form of the boys' wives. The blessing breaks curses. Where do we see it? We see that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all married barren women. Sarah was barren. Rebecca was barren. Rachel was barren. In all three of these girls' families, there was a generational curse of barrenness. And yet, when they came into contact with the covenant blessing of God, they found out something about God's promise and His blessing. God's blessing breaks barrenness. I don't know if there's any barrenness in the room, but I got a word for you. The blessing of God breaks barrenness. Shout, this is for me and my children. Oh, that ain't a shout. Shout, this is for me and my children. Second question, how do I know it's God? God's promise will never make sense. It's not God if it makes any kind of natural sense. If you ever want to know if you're hearing for God, from God, just look at your life and see if what you're hearing makes any kind of natural sense. His promise has to completely contradict your situation. Because if your situation lines up with the promise, it's hard to identify what's God and what is simply circumstantial. So God has to step in with a promise that's totally different than what you're going through. And so he'll wait until it's pure misery in your life. And then he'll step in and start promising you joy. And the promise is so foreign to what you're going through. You look around and say, who is talking to me? Because everything I'm seeing is miserable. All the people I'm around is miserable. Everybody in my family is miserable. And yet I hear a promise of joy. He'll come in a broke season of your life when you don't have nothing and start talking to you about abundance. And you wonder, who is talking to me? Mom and daddy ain't got nothing. Job ain't got nothing. None of my neighbors got nothing. My community don't have nothing. And yet I hear an abundance I hear overflow I hear more than enough it's God when it doesn't make sense to your surrounding touch your neighbor say God's going to make you laugh his promise has to contradict the circumstances in order for him to make his voice a distinctive voice different from everything you're facing and this is not about you recruiting God to help you with your plans no It's about God recruiting you to be a recipient of his revelation. Why? Because your plans are possible. 
God is not interested helping you accomplish what you want to accomplish and just make it easier for you. Because what you want to accomplish is possible. If it wasn't possible, your mind wouldn't have thought of it. But God don't like possible. God likes impossible. He likes taking you by the hand and leading you into a life that you would have never planned for yourself. He likes putting you in a job that you would have never planned for yourself. You didn't get the education. You don't know the right people. You don't have an easy way in. You don't have a back door. And yet God will put you where you would have never planned yourself to be to show you it wasn't nothing in your circumstances. It wasn't nobody that you knew. It wasn't nobody that gave you a hookup. It was my power and my revelation in your life that I can do exceeding abundantly and above all you can ask or think. I don't know who it's for, but God is about to make you laugh. Impossible blessings are coming. I don't know who it's for. Impossible blessings are coming. An impossible turnaround's coming to your marriage. An impossible turnaround's coming to your children. An impossible turnaround is coming to your finances. An impossible turnaround is coming to your grandkids. An impossible turnaround. Somebody that's been strung out on drugs is going to clean up. Somebody that's been wayward is going to start walking the straight and narrow. An impossible turnaround. Oh, you ought to give him praise right there. I feel this thing already. Shout impossible. Shout impossible. So God tells Sarah, you're going to have a child. And the sensory perception, the sensual perception around her, the facts are she's 90 years old. If she wasn't 90 years old, she was barren to begin with, and her husband is impotent. And the promise is so ridiculous that when she receives it, she laughs. When she receives it, it sounds so outlandish, she says, he can't be talking to me. I figured there's a few people in the room this morning that are like that. You're listening to me preach about what the year is going to bring and what's coming in your future. And you say to yourself, he can't be talking about me. He can't be talking about my marriage. He can't be talking about my finances. He can't be talking about my children. He can't be talking about my health. And if you're the kind of person that says... He can't be talking to me. Then you're the kind of person God wants to talk to. If you're the kind of person that says he can't be talking to me. Then you're the kind of person God sent me here to say. He's going to make you laugh. I want you to do something for me. I know some of you are introverts. You don't like touching and talking to people. But I want you to help me spread this all through this church. I want you to tap two people and look them in their eye and tell them God is going to make you laugh in 2019. Come on, tell them. Two of them. Just two of them. God's going to make you laugh in 2019. God is going to have you laughing all, all the way. Now, when the promise comes, brother, 
The devil comes immediately. And he reminds you of all of the natural reasons why you can't have the promise. The devil hates the promise, so he wants to cancel it in your mind and spirit before it ever has time to gestate and germinate in your spirit. So he'll remind you of all of the natural reasons. You're too old for that kind of promise. You're too barren for that kind of promise. You ain't got the help of Abraham. He's too old. You ain't going to get that promise. But when God gives you a promise, he won't let the devil kill you until he brings it to pass. You're not too old. You're not out of season. You're not out of time. You will stand and live and see every promise that God has given you. And the devil can't stop it because no weapon formed against you will be able to prosper. But the promise given to you will prosper and flourish and you will receive it. Somebody shout yes! Why? Why? Well, time has something to do with this. Time is something that governs us, but it's something that God lives outside of. And God manipulates time. If I give Pastor John a promise, my ability to keep that promise is limited. Because number one, I got to be healthy enough to give the fulfillment of the promise. If I make a promise on a Sunday concerning a Friday and I don't live until Wednesday, then I haven't kept my promise. I have the best intentions of keeping my word, but I'm limited in my ability to keep my word. I can't say for sure that I'll be able to do it because I'm not in Friday yet. I'm in Sunday. I intend to do it on Friday, but I'm trapped in time on Sunday. So my promise is a hope. God's promise is not a hope. God's promise is not a maybe because God exists outside of time. He is, he is all at once living in my past, in my present, and in my future. So when God makes me a promise concerning my future, I have to understand he's not wishing, hoping, and praying that it comes to pass. God who is already standing in my future and knows what the future looks like is simply announcing to my present about a future I hadn't caught up with yet. So the promise of God is an announcement to the present you about what the future you is going to look like. And I came to announce to the present you what the future 2019 you is going to look like. You're going to be laughing. Oh, oh, Jesus. You're starting to get with me now. I said you're going to be laughing. When you look at your finances, when you look at your family, when you look at your children, when you look at your health, everybody been down and crying in 2018, but in 2019, you're gonna be laughing. Oh! You wanna give him praise right there if you feel it. Woo! What this does for the believer is creates assurance in present problems that the God who announced my future is standing in it to secure it. So it places a yet 
Y-E-T, in my spirit that I can lean on during circumstantial problems and issues. For instance, everything going right in the marriage? It ain't going right yet. Everything going okay with the kids? It ain't going okay yet. Do you have the house? I ain't got it. There's always a yet for the believer. Do you have the car? I ain't got it. Do you have the job? I ain't got it yet. Do you have a husband? I ain't got it yet. But there's always a yet for the believer because the assurance is based on his promise. And if he promised it over my future, all I have to do is live in time until I walk into what he has announced to me from my future to my present. gonna make you laugh he's gonna make you laugh for Abraham and Sarah God waited I love this for Abraham and Sarah God waited until it was totally impossible because he wanted to give them a blessing they could not produce themselves in 2019, God's going to give you something that you could not possibly produce yourself. If you worked all of your life and saved and invested your money and took all of your earning power and put all of your earning power in it, you still wouldn't be able to add up to the value of what God is just going to give you. This is not something you can work for. It must be a promise so that it can be by faith. I'm not talking about works and wages. Because faith has no place in works or wages. There's no faith involved. You work, you get wages. I ain't having faith that you're going to pay me if I work for you for 40 hours. There ain't no faith involved. You either pay me or we're going to court or somebody's going to meet a 38 Magnum or something's going to happen. When there's work, there is wages. Faith is not involved. But when a promise is given that you cannot produce yourself, works and wages go out the door. And you simply receive it by faith. He said, I'm going to give you something that you could not work for. I don't know about you. I don't want a family that I could work for. I want a family that no matter how much work I put in, I could never work for it. I don't want a house I could work for. I want a house that when I walk in, it's so ridiculous. I could never all of my life, all of my money, I could never work for it. I don't want a car I could work for. I want a car when I drive up, people say, what do you do for a living? I don't want a bank account I could work for. I want to look at my bank account and say, it must have been the Lord. It's a promise that you cannot work for. Therefore, it has to be laughable when it's given. Because if it's not laughable, it doesn't engage your faith. Like if I told you that 50 of you are going to be like Larry Moreno in 2019, you're going to be living in the year that you paid off your house. For some of you, that promise is so ridiculous 
And the reason it's ridiculous is because you cannot work for it. But I'm not talking about something you can work for. I'm talking about something God is just going to give you that you cannot work for. So he gives Abraham and Sarah this promise that their natural ability is impossible to produce. And when God gives you a promise like that, you don't have to produce it. All you have to do is receive it by faith and then laugh when it comes. A couple of things about the promise. Number one, God's promise will disrupt your plans. I ain't going to get through this notebook, Lord have mercy. God's promise will disrupt your plans. Abraham was 75 years old. He's a senior citizen. He's already made out his will. And he listed Eleazar of Damascus as his heir in his will because he didn't have any kids. That was his plan. Eleazar, you've been with me a long time. You've been a good man. I'm going to give you all my stuff. You're going to be the person that receives the inheritance. God comes in and says, no, Eleazar is not going to be your heir. A child from your loins and from your wife's loins is going to be your heir. And the question is, when God comes in with disruption, do you have the faith to allow God to disrupt your plans? Do you have the faith to allow God to come in and flip the script on you? And if you do, if you will allow God to change your plans, God will give you his promise in the place of your plan. And for all of Abraham's life, God was disrupting his plans. God shows up to him the first time, says, get out of your country, away from your kindred, to a land that I will show you. Okay, you want me to get out? You want me to leave? Great. Where am I going? I'll, I'll tell you later. Just go. I don't know about you. I hate going anywhere. That I don't know where I'm going. And the thing I hate the most is when somebody doesn't have the address, they don't have the name of the place, and they just tell me to follow them. Makes my leg twitch. Because you don't drive like I drive. Your traffic habits and maneuverability is not like mine is. I don't want to follow you. Give me the directions, and I'll go. Abraham starts walking, and he does not know where he is going it is possible to be completely within the will of God and have no idea where you are going God does this on purpose because you know if uh, if we're leaving and we're going to the same place and I give you all the directions you ain't got to follow me you ain't got to stay close to me you ain't got to seek me. You can get there on your own. But if I don't give you the directions and you got to follow me, then no matter how bad the traffic is, you got to stay close. You can't let no one get in between me and you. You got to seek me. You got to follow me hard. You can't let no red light catch you. You got to say, I've got to stay close enough to know where I'm going. And the reason God only gives you a little bit of direction at a time is so you'll stay close to him. So you won't lean on your own understanding. So you won't go your own way. He gives it 
it little bit of a time, turn by turn, so that you'll seek his face every single day. Give us this day our daily bread, that you won't try to live your spirituality based off last month's anointing, but you'll walk every day in a fresh and new revelation of what God is doing. He gives it little bit at a time, so you'll stay close. Push two people and say, stay close, stay, stay close, stay close. Second thing about the promise of God is the promise of God will test your faith and develop your character. The space in between promise and manifestation is always a testing period. The promise was given to Abraham when he was 75 years old, but it did not manifest until he was 100. 25 years of waiting. And I don't know about you. I hate to wait. I hate to wait in the fast food line. I hate to wait at the mall. I hate to wait in traffic. I hate to wait for a football game that's coming on that I want to watch. I hate to wait. I assume there's a few of you that are like me in the house. I hate to wait. And if you're not careful, in the waiting period, you get frustrated. In the waiting period, you get frustrated. And you get mad at God because you think you're waiting on God to cook this blessing up for you. That, that God's preparing it. And you're good. You're just waiting on him to get it ready for you. But that ain't how it works. He's not trying to get it ready for you. He's trying to get you ready for it. For Abraham, the waiting period was 25 years. Right after Abraham received the promise at 75 years old, he told the same lie twice. He had a faith lapse and said that his wife was his sister because he wanted to try to save his own neck. He thought, surely they're going to kill me and take my wife because she's so beautiful. So he lied. And for 25 years, God's trying to press the dishonesty and the deception out of Abraham's character because you cannot walk in the elevated promises of God and be deceptive and nobody can trust your word. You cannot walk in the elevated promises of God and nobody can trust your check when you write it. You cannot walk in the elevated promises of God and have that sneaky side to you that tries to con people out of things. You cannot walk in the elevated promises of God unless he presses some things out of your character number two God told Abraham when he was 75 I want you to get away from all your relatives they're idol makers they're idol worshipers and they're corrupt and their corruption will corrupt you and so Abraham left and he left all of his relatives except for Lot God had to press that disobedience out of Abraham's character God had to press unlawful connections unlawful relationships out of Abraham's character and God will make you wait on the promise as long as it takes to 
gets you to sever ties with those connections that you know do not belong in your future. Some of you got some people in your phone right now that you know you shouldn't be dialing and you know you shouldn't be texting. It's an unlawful connection that was attached to you in the past, but that will not be allowed to cross over with you unto your promise. And so if God has to wait for 25 years until you separate from Lot, he will wait patiently until your character presses that thing out and you say I want the promise of God more than I want this connection I want the promise of God more than I want this relationship I want the promise of God more than I want those things that have been attached in my life I want the promise and then finally God had to press one last thing out of Abraham's spirit when he was 75 he received the promise when he was 86 he'd been waiting for 11 years he said, uh, we better give God some help. So he goes in and sleeps with Sarah's handmaid, Hagar, and produces a child named Ishmael. God had to press that out of his spirit. Because he said, Abraham, the thing I have planned to do in your life is something that I don't need your help with. And to all of you that like to try to help God out and give God a pass and try to reach out and make something happen, God sent me here to tell you he don't need none of your help to bring to pass what he has ordained in your life. If you keep your hands out of it, God will keep his hands on it. But if you put your hands on it, God will take his hands off of it and let you wait till it's pressed out. And God's extend. watch this, God's extending his life and extending his health and extending his energy. Not so he can get old and feel great. God's having to extend his life so that he can press out all of the negative issues that would cancel the beauty of the promise manifesting in his life. If God has to make you a ripe old man or woman, if God has to keep you alive, he will keep pressing until all of the dirt and the dross is away and you can receive the promise. Because once the promise is given, you can't die until it comes to pass. And for some people, that means a long life because God's got a lot of working to do and a lot of pressing to do in your character development before you are eligible to receive what was spoken. When the promise, when the promise and what was over Abraham's life finally, the weight of it just finally kept pressing and pressing until all of the impurities were gone. God let the fire of time boil out the impurities that existed in his heart and his emotions. And when it was all gone and he was ready to die, that's when God showed up and said, now. You're ready for it. It's been ready. Oh, I got to tell somebody that. It's been ready. The house has been ready. The promotion has been ready. Your children have been ready. Your family's been ready. It's not that you're waiting on God. God has been using time to purify. Those of you that are looking for a spouse, the spouse is already there. 
It's not that God's getting them ready for you. It's getting you ready. Because if God gave some of you the spouse that you wanted with the current paradigm you have, you'd lose them in six months. So it's the time component that God works on our character to get us ready for the thing that he has promised. When there's inequity of value, when God gives you a promise that's valued up here and your value and your character is down here, God never lowers the promise to meet your value. He'll spend enough time to raise your value. And some of you, that's what this year was. That's what the pain of this year was. That's what the strain of this year was. That's what all the tears you cried at night was. It was God elevating you on the inside and increasing your value for what is coming for you in 2019. There's some mindsets that he had to change. There's some perspectives he had to adjust. There's some habits he had to break. There's some people he had to disconnect you from. There's some stuff he had to cut off of you and cut off of your past and cut out of your mind in order to elevate Elevate your value to match what he was about to give you. But in 2019, I don't know about you, I'm saying, God, I'm ready. Anything you got to take, anything you got to cut, anything that's got to go, anything that's got to change, I am ready. Who oh, I'm ready. Oh. There ain't no mindset that's worth not being ready. There ain't no friendship or connection that's worth not being ready. There ain't nothing in this world in my sensual perception that's worth not being ready for what God has for us in our future. So when the promise finally, finally comes to the level of their character and their value, God comes in and he says, now, this time next year, I'm going to do it. And when he did, they had waited so long. They had cried so much. They had been through so much. They had been so strained that all they could do is. <laughs> uh, Lord, if you'd just bless Ishmael. Give me a new house. <laughs> God, if you just bless this shack I got. Give me a new job. <laughs> God, if you just bless me with that crazy demon-possessed supervisor I got now. Straighten her out a little bit. Get her off my back. I mean, tell some of y'all got some nasty bosses and supervisors. Fix this marriage? This one right here? If you'll just help me survive in this craziness. Give me the hookup with some stress relievers and stuff like that. The man of faith and power. 
that's known in the scripture as the man of faith. The father of us all in faith. When he heard the promise, now, <laughs> had enough respect for God not to laugh in his face. Just like some of you, you've had enough respect for God and the anointing in the room not to laugh in my face. But in your mind, as I've been preaching, you've been saying, Pfft. And God said, Abraham, why did you laugh? Why did you, why'd you laugh? Did I not give you a promise? Then he sent three angels to confirm the promise. And, and Abraham, Abraham quickly, he made a meal for them and he sowed into their life. Because anytime you receive a promise, you sow a seed. And he sowed into their life. And, and they were talking with him. And they said, when we come back here next year, uh, you're going to have a baby. And uh, Sarah, you know, nosy. <laughs> Who are you talking to? <laughs> Why wasn't I brought in there? What's, what are y'all talking about? She's listening. They're gonna have uh, they're gonna have a baby next time this year, and when she hears it, just like her husband, <laughs> then she says, "90 years old." The text in the NFE said, "I'm all worn out." Don't make me extrapolate those details. <laughs> Suffice to say, I'm, I'm all. <laughs> all that is within me. Somebody say worn out. <laughs> I'm worn out and barren and my husband's too old. And then God sent a word to what she said on the inside. Because he knows the thoughts, the ponderings of our heart. And God answered her laugh with a question. Because there's still got to be a modicum of faith left in you in order to receive it. And when he wants to give you something that your mind cannot conceive for and that it's hard for you to believe, he'll ask you a question like this. And this is the question that I want to ask you as you prepare to leave this service and go on through the rest of your month. Get busy in the holidays and all the Christmas parties and all the work get-togethers and all the family coming in and all the traveling you're going to do. And everything that's going to be going around in this hustle and bustle season. All the traffic around all the stores and the malls, all the Christmas shopping, all the craziness that you're going to be plunging yourself into. I want you to hold this question with you concerning your 2019. And the question is right out of the scripture. Is there anything... too hard for the Lord.
Pastor, you don't understand my marriage. We are all the way past the edge. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Pastor, you don't understand my finances. You don't know the debt that I'm in. You don't know what's coming and you don't know the stress that I'm going through in this season because of my financial requirements and my resources don't match my requirements. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? You don't understand my health condition. I got a problem with my heart or other vital organs, my lungs, my kidneys. They say they got cancer in my body. They say it's impossible. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? God is going to give you something this year that's going to make you laugh. He's going to manifest himself inside the negativity of your situation and in the situation give you a revelation of his mighty power. He's going to make you laugh. God's going to pour out something on you that you weren't expecting and that you cannot work for yourself. Something's going to come that's going to blow your mind. And when you see it and you step back, the only thing left to do is laugh. Stand to your feet and give the Lord a praise for his word.